0: Winners and losers from week 12, and a little bit about what Florida needs now with Dan Mullen fired. Good morning. It is Monday, November 22nd. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, about to be joined by Carl Reed, National College Football Analyst for 24 7 Sports and the head coach at DeSmet Jesuit High in St. Louis, Missouri. Held off on recording this introduction because had a feeling that the Dan Mullen firing was coming, and sure enough, a little bit after Carl and I quit recording Sunday morning. Florida fired Dan Mullen. will pay him a buyout of $12 million. The guys from the football recruiting show, Blair Angulo, Andrew Ivins, did an awesome job with a quick reaction podcast episode on that, which was put in the feed on Sunday afternoon. So, no further commentary from me needed on Dan Mullen's firing, although Carl is going to get into what needs to happen now as far as the Florida hire is concerned. Some candidates to watch, though. Billy Napier, I think is uh, we, we did a roundtable at 24-7 sports and, and the Louisiana Lafayette head coach got like three to four votes, which was more than anybody. So I think that would be a great fit and it would give Florida exactly what Dan Mullen did not. But that's not the only thing happening in college football. We've got playoff picture taking shape, conference races taking shape, and uh, plenty of winners and losers to discuss from an action-packed week 12. I should also mention the Heisen Trophy race taking shape as well. So here's Carl. All right. The coach, Carl Reed, joins us right now. Carl, we have a lot of things to talk about. Breaking down week 12, doing some winners and losers, just analyzing all this stuff. You and I were texting a a ton too. And and one thing, we I think our first few texts on Saturday morning were about Ohio State just blowing the doors off of Michigan State, 56-7. to I have to ask, aside from breaking down this game, which we will, which will include a lot of love for C.J. Stroud and those receivers, did you sense any sort of like a like a, an axe to grind by Ryan Day? Or was he sending any sort of message that might be contract related?
1: Yeah, I, w- I think so. I mean, obviously, it was a lot uh, made up this week about the, the deal and the contract extension for Mel Tucker. And coaches are very prideful and coaches are very competitive, mm-hmm. right? So if you Ryan Day and you the coach at Ohio State and your program has been the dominant program in the in the conference for the past several years and, and making the appearances in the college uh, football playoffs national championship game, you want like you feel like you should be the highest paid coach in, in that league. I mean, there's no question about it. And so what better way to send the message than to come out there and be really dominant in your game? And I'm sure who um his representatives We'll be talking to Ohio State about that in the near future.
0: Yeah, so he makes $6.6 million in 2021, which is the highest in the Big Ten. Of course, Mel Tucker's got that rumored, reported $9 million extension on the table. I don't think it's been signed yet. And I would also be fascinated to know from which party that leak came out. Was it Michigan State leaking out that they were keeping Mel Tucker and, and pouring water on LSU? Or was it Mel Tucker's party coming out and saying, hey, look at this deal we got. But regardless, yeah, I mean, in any walk of life, Carl, not just coaching. If I'm at a company and I'm crushing it and some guy comes in and is going to start making a new guy, maybe a little bit more unproven than I am as far as you know, at that current team and situation. And I really like Mel Tucker. I, I, I do. But if he's going to start making around 30% more than me. If I get a chance to do anything head to head with him, and I guess in, in my realm, that would be an editing off or just some sort of ridiculous writing competition, yeah, I'd want to kick his ass. And that's yeah. what Michigan's, or that, and that's what Ohio State did. 56 to seven, CJ Stroud, 432 yards, six touchdowns, went from number two or three in the Heisman to the heavy favorite, and then that kind of swung back. He's still the heavy favorite. Are uh, still the favorite, but but Bryce Young. I wonder if Bryce Young watched C.J. Stroud's game Saturday morning because he had a really nice showing in Alabama's performance against Arkansas, throwing for a school record in yardage. Uh, Bryce Young did. Uh, any any other takeaways from Ohio State, Michigan State?
1: I mean, C.J. Stroud was unbelievable he was near flawless um you know back in the day when we were young we played that mortal Kombat game and it would say flawless victory um at the end you know so he had a flawless victory and really pushed himself to me in my opinion to the very top of the high race because one of his main competitors was uh, Kenny Walker, the running back at Michigan State, and he didn't have a great show, on, you know. So on that stage, flawless victory. The the receivers from Ohio State were unbelievable, and what it is is it was a it was a statement game to let you know there's still a large gap between us, right? And you got a lot of work to do if you want to be on our level. That was what Ohio State, the message that they sent to the country yesterday.
0: If they gave you the option to put one of the three Ohio State receivers on your team, and I understand that this is like choosing Ooh. between, for me, this would be like choosing between my three favorite flavors of ice cream. <laughs> Are you going with Olave, Wilson, or Jackson Smith and Jigba?
1: I'm, I'm going to go with Olave. Just, I mean, you you couldn't really go wrong with, with either one of them. And I mean, just think of the fact that Jameis Williams was on that team a year ago also. Right, so you're just talking about an embarrassment of riches at the receiver position, um, like we haven't seen in a while.
0: Oregon Utah night game, but it, it, it matters nationally, of course, and and so usually I you know do these a little bit chronologically as far as morning to night. Utah one thirty eight to seven, handing Oregon its second loss. Number three Oregon will now be out of the college football playoff mix. Takeaway here: so I like Mario Cristobal. I think they've done a great job there. I think they're there's still the the toast of the Pac-12. So a few situations now though, going back to 2019 where they lost to Arizona State on the road in the same week, week 12, a true freshman quarterback Jaden Daniels back then, back when he was really really good and uh, you know, whatever. Uh a few situations now where Oregon's had a shot at the college football playoff and just not gotten it done. This one felt way worse than that 2019 loss so because they were never in it. They were out physical You you hear all the time about Oregon recruiting in the line of uh, in the trenches, and they do do that. I know that you know Penesu was just a top ten pick, but thirty eight to seven to you, Carl. What what did that what did that look like?
1: They were physically dominated by Utah right on at the line of scrimmage, and so I do think that Coach Christabel. From his his past and being a lineman himself, he has tried to recruit heavily hard at line of scrimmage for Oregon on both sides of the ball, but Utah is a very tough place to play. Kyle Winningham has been there for a long time and has been very successful, and they made it a point to come out and really commit to the run game early, and College football, um, football at all levels has kind of turned into a seven on seven deal, right? Where guys aren't as physical as they used to be. And when you can still find a team that plays the way that Utah played yesterday, they can be very, very dangerous to a football team, and they they physically manhandled
0: Oregon last night. Do you think Kyle Whittingham will stay there forever? I remember a few years ago, I think it was when USC moved on from Sark. I think Kyle Whittingham was like a top name on the hot board, but that never happened.
1: I think that he should. I don't know if he will, but I think that he should. I think if you look around the game today, um, every year, we moving and we're shaking, right? It's probably only four or five guys in the country that have legit job security and that aren't on a one-day contract, right? You love a guy, then you hate him. Then you love him, then you hate him. Wrong loss eliminates you. I, there's something to be said for a school that understands that they're probably not going to win a national championship, but they still love you being their coach, right? It's a perfect fit. You may go somewhere and take another job and in two years not have a job. So I think you have to wait at um, if you Kyle Whittingham or people. Obviously, people will want to come after him because he's been extremely successful. But there's a lot to be said about having a fit with the school um, and sometimes chasing money, chasing prestige. It can
0: do you more harm than good. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. So Oregon's loss opens the door, I think, for Cincinnati. And I think Cincinnati, I I think they're in. And I know we're not going to sit here and debate the playoff, but they they just pounded a pretty good SMU team, 48-14. to Every time I turned that thing on, Cincinnati had the ball. Desmond Ritter was throwing a touchdown. He threw for three on on a 17-23 for game. That defense shut down a good SMU offense. SMU did not score until the fourth quarter. Just using the eye test and considering that, the Cincinnati's best one at Notre Dame looks better and better with each week as Notre Dame just beat Georgia Tech 55 to zero. I don't know how Cincinnati is not one of the four best teams in college football. And I didn't think I was going to say that a month ago.
1: Well, Cincinnati has to be one of the four teams. And, and the thing is, when these rankings come out a couple of weeks ago and even now, it, it always takes care of itself by the end of the season, right? Always works his way through it. Luke Fickle has done a phenomenal job at Cincinnati, and think about this: he lost Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame, is is really good defensive coordinator, and they've still been able to navigate it and be dominant at times on defense. And um, Luke Fickle is not, in my opinion, Luke Fickle is a guy that should be at the top of a lot of these just lists when they're thinking about a coach. And and I know that I really get caught up in geography and where a guys from as it relates to recruiting. I think that that's Overstated all the time, but guys get caught up in it. How can you not want Luke Fickle for what he's done at the University of Cincinnati at the top of your list to run your football program? That, that's, that's crazy to me.
0: I want to go back to Alabama. So they beat Arkansas 42 to 35. This is a 19 point spread. It was a really fun game. And I think that it's refreshing to have sometimes you get these SEC giants like an Alabama or a Georgia. And it's just not it's not that good. But this was a late afternoon game. We were all watching. I think it helped Bryce Young's Heisman candidacy to throw for five touchdowns and 559 yards with in a, in a tight game in which they needed his yards. They with most everybody. of the country watching, yeah, they they needed all of them. And I don't know where they would be without Jamison Williams. So I'm gonna I'm gonna point to that anytime someone says you don't need the transfer portal to win because yeah. Henry Toe led the team in tackles and Jamison Williams had 190 yards and three touchdowns. But Carl, Alabama. This hasn't looked like the vintage Alabama teams and headed into the iron bowl, which they should win because Auburn, which which we'll get to, doesn't look so good. Head into the iron bowl. If you're Nick Saban, what are you saying to your team privately? Because we know what we're probably going to get publicly from Nick Saban, but what is he saying privately to them?
1: He's telling them to keep working and continue to, to go through the process, you know? And so if you don't have Jamison Weaves and Henry Toto, then yeah, you you those are your, your guys right now, and you got them through the transfer portal. But you are still in the thick of the national championship race, and you don't have to be better or look more impressive than Georgia every week. You just have to be able to beat them in one game right? And so you have to be getting yourself prepared for that moment. What people want out of a team like Alabama is you look for the complete domination and the way they've dominated college football for the last, you know, decade and a half. But in Georgia probably looks more like that team right now than Alabama does. But the thing about it is all you want is a chance to play in that situation. And it's hard. How many coaches, how many great coaches has Nick Saban lost at Alabama? How many great players have left early for the NFL draft? Can you keep coming back year after year after year before you kind of have one of those years where it's like, ah, it's it's kind of close right now. And people continue to say, I've heard it said a lot, that if they didn't have Jamison Williams, where would they be? But the fact of the matter is, Coach Saban obviously knew that and he went and got Jamison Williams. And I think that's those kind of moves are still what separates him from other people in moments like this.
0: Smart call. While we're on the SEC and, and mentioned Ohio State earlier, which I, I think should should be number two in the country over Alabama, if you're Kirby Smart, and you, you I want you to tell me, no, if this is a bad idea, Carl, because you're a coach. If you're Kirby Smart and you've got Georgia Tech next week, you're coming off a game against an FCS opponent, you had three quarterbacks just throw 10 attempts or more, uh, attempt 10 passes or more. Are you looking at an opportunity to get JT Daniels a little bit extra run this week because you're you you know you've got a Bryce Young matchup soon and you've got maybe in the national title you've got a CJ Stroud matchup you can tell me no carl you can you can say no this is how they've won it sets his legs help. They're going to win with that. Or you, you can say maybe they, they do think they need to have a little bit more firepower out of the quarterback spot.
1: Well, the biggest the the, the biggest answer to that, uh, is what does Kirby Smart really believe? Does he believe that Bennett gives him the best chance to win or does he believe that Daniels gives him the best chance to win? And so if he believes that Daniels gives him the best chance to win, uh, that is a perfect time to play him. But they've been awfully, awfully good without Daniels, right? And they have a generational defense. And as much as football has went into uh, this offensive mode with wide open RPO, spread, air raid, throwing it all over the field, the rules of football for championship level football never change. Run the ball, play great defense, and be sound on special teams. That is the recipe for winning championships. I don't care what year it is, whether it's 1970 or whether it's 2021, the rules of football never change. And Georgia has the best defense. They have a a really good run game and they don't turn the ball over. And I think that they'll be fine regardless of what happens at the quarterback position.
0: Yeah. If Georgia Georgia beats Alabama in, in two weeks and then wins a national title and has to dispatch Ohio State in the process, the defense goes down, I think, as the best yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I didn't watch, you know, I didn't watch, but you know, I'm only so old, but the best ever. <laughs> I like how I was like, yeah, I don't want to say anything too large. And then I'm like, yeah, it's the greatest of all time. Um, they're just the, the day and age we live in uh, real quick on Florida Mizzou. And I, am sure our sec fans are, are loving this and they're, you know, the non sec fans are probably asking me to go to talk Clemson wake forest or something. We watched Florida Mizzou. We watched a little of that over time and, and, I know you live around there, so you're probably you know it's kind of you probably smiled when when drink pulled out his lightsaber. But for Florida, I, I you don't have to say it. I'll say it. this is to me this is over for Dan Mullen. I think he might be relieved if it's over, not dancing on his grave and, and not doing any of that, Carl. But what 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 does Florida need the most? Moving forward, uh, let's say it by 2022?
1: Well, what they need to do is they need to establish their identity, right? And that's in recruiting, that's in the way that they're going to play, that's just in their culture. They seem to be down a little bit, right? And that happens anytime that you have a program that expects to compete for national championships and that doesn't happen. I think one of the hardest things um, for a team is, or or for any program that has national championship expectations, is to overcome when you lose to somebody that's not Alabama, right? You can take a loss to Alabama, but when you you lose other games that you feel like you should have won, that starts to bring in self-doubt. And it starts to bring in um, the outside opinion. I heard John Calipari say one time years ago, um, "There's three battles that a championship team has to face daily. That's division within, outside influences, and in the competition that you face, right? So when you lose, the first thing you have to guard against is division within. The second thing that you have to guard against is the outside influence. Your high school coach, your little league coach, your trainer, the, you know, hey, this guy got more touches than you. If you, if you would have got more touches, we would have won. You know All of those things that start to seep into a program. And it looks like some of those things have, have started to happen with some of those guys. And so that would be the first and foremost is reestablishing your identity and your culture. Um, because still at the end of the day, re- regardless of whether it's NIL money or transfer portal or whatever, football is still the ultimate team game. And if you can't compete that way. And if you can't care about your teammates more than yourself, you're not gonna have the success that you're looking for. Let's
0: jump around. Go go back to America's Heartland and, and dole out some some championship scenarios here. I don't know how much you watched of it. I didn't watch that much because it wasn't a good game. But Oklahoma State blanked Texas Tech 23 to zero. That defense is absurd. Do we have a precedent recently for a one for a program or a coach or a team that is known for something? that just totally swerves in the opposite direction. Oklahoma State's had good defenses before, but the defenses that were on the the teams with like Brandon and they were good at forcing turnovers. They, this was not, these were not shutout defenses and this offense is not even that good. But I've come around on Oklahoma State. They're in the Big 12 title game. And if they beat Oklahoma this weekend in Bedlam, they will play Baylor instead of the Sooners in a repeat. I think they're still alive in the in, in the playoff race. The, the, the job Mike Cunningham done, Carl, this is like you totally changing up your playbook next August and doing something totally different that you never have?
1: Well, what Mike Gundy has done is is I think he's identified what they needed to do to be successful or be more successful because he's been a, a really good coach at Oklahoma State. And that's another example. I, I kind of compare him to Kyle Whittingham a little bit of being at a place that's a perfect fit for you and a university that is that allows you to go through those changes and be yourself. I do know that on the recruiting trail, the Oklahoma State coaches were really out the last couple of years trying to improve defensively and trying to sign difference makers on defense. Um, They signed a really good defensive back out of St. Louis, uh, Cam Epps. I'm as committed to Oklahoma State out of Chaminade. He's still alive uh, right now in the state playoffs, you know. And so I do know that they were looking for defensive minded guys. And and that wouldn't have been surprising because the Big 12 was such explosive offensively. You constantly trying to find a way. And so guys that are like Mike Gundy that want to win and that are winners, you just adjust to winning. Right. And so the really good coaches find a way. And he's found
0: his footing with defense this year. And it's been special to see. Up at the Big Ten, Braylon Allen in Wisconsin ran away from Nebraska- that was awesome to watch. Braylon Allen's, I think, seven straight 100 yard games. Um, he's the next great one there. And then Michigan, I, maybe you had Donovan Edwards on your fantasy team, Carl, but he had 10 catches for 170 yards and a touchdown. Fun little wrinkle ahead of the game this weekend. Over in the ACC, Clemson beat Wake Forest. It was not close. And Clemson's still alive in the ACC title game with a chance to play against Pitt the first weekend in December. But they need Wake Forest to lose to Boston College. And they also need North Carolina State to lose to North Carolina. And then jump into the Pac-12. Oregon State beat Arizona State, and Oregon State is still alive in the North, but they need they need some help, and it involves Washington State losing to Washington, which I don't think is going to happen. But yeah, regardless, if this is the last time this season I talk about Arizona State on the podcast, I want you to uh, agree with me that Jonathan Smith is a rising coaching star.
1: Yeah, he definitely is. Jonathan Smith has been doing a, a great job. He's one of the next bright guys uh, in this
0: profession for sure. Yeah, I think I think USC should hire him. I don't know if it's going to be flashy enough for for them though. Carl, do and did I forget anything before we hop off? Anything that's, that you want to chew on?
1: But you just said something about if it's not flashy enough for them. I, I think that I think that a lot of colleges right now continuously find themselves in a position of where they're searching for coaches because they're looking for flash and hires and not substance. I would really like to see more of these guys just really get into the nuts and bolts of football and find the right fits if you, if you get guys like a, a Mike Gundy or a Kyle Winningham, who we talked to today, your program can have um, success for a really long time if you really get into that. And I think more athletic directors and presidents need to understand that about their programs and they wouldn't be losing the money that they are in buyouts all the time and having the constant turnover that they continue to have.
0: All right, Carl Reed, I'll spare you my Auburn and Brian Harson rant. All right, thanks to Carl Reed for joining us. Not quite sure what our schedule will be this week with Thanksgiving and a little bit of traveling, but it's going to be a busy week in college football, and we will make sure to keep you covered here on the College Football Daily. Our producer is Lance Glenn. My name is Trey Scott. Enjoy your Monday. We will talk to you on Tuesday.